Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And welcome back to Once Upon a Timing, your podcast all about questionable day drinking choices, even more questionable torture sequences, and the one word on everyone's lips, bay. Or the second most common word, father. Because no one knows how to say the word dad in this episode. It is only, where is my father? Where is he? Swear to me that you know where it is. (laughs) I am Beth Elderkin. Beth Elderkin. That's my name. And I'm joined as always by the lovely Abby. Abby, how are you doing? Sorry, I just liked how indignant. I was like, that is my name. That is what it is. (laughs) Like, you're telling, Uh, you're reassuring yourself. Don't wear it out. Yeah, it's like, like, it's it's what it is. Thank you. Uh Um, I am doing very well. Um, I, I don't know, drinking a White Claw, you know, no laws. That's how we roll. So let's party. I, I'm sticking with a, with a root beer this evening, uh, but it's bark. So I'm going to be jumping off the walls for the rest of this podcast. I hope you guys are looking forward to that. Oh, guys, we wildin'. <laughs> we wildin'. Because <laughs> bark's got bite. No rules, just right. We are talking about season two, episode 21, second star to the right. I'm just looking up for Abby right now and she's laughing. I'm I'm, loving this. I'm laughing because I'm suppressing a terrible joke about like drinking Red Bull and Barks and then flying while biting people. But I'm also thinking we should get sponsored by Barks. What a random podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Very random. I mean, and this would be quite the episode for flying around and biting people because I mean, there is a flying... A uh, creature in this episode. He doesn't bite, but he's not exactly a nice person. Why? Why was the ex- the extended flying scene? It went on <laughs> was, for so yeah. long. For for why? Like there was no reason for that to go as long as it did. No, it was like, we're, are we trying to do the Once Upon a Time Disney ride? Because this is not a great way to advertise it. <laughs> 
That said, oh, there this was is actually 10 out of 10 segue. 10 <laughs> out of 10 you. segue. <laughs> uh, one of the, the special things about this episode was halfway through during the commercial break, there was a, a commercial for the reopening of Fantasyland at, uh, at Disney World's Magic Kingdom, starring Lana Perilla as uh, Evil Queen Regina. She wasn't in her full Evil Queen garb, unfortunately. She was in her little pantsuit. I mean, she looked great. But she's just walking around the different lands, just talking shit about all the characters and being like, if I ruled this area, this, it'd be like this. But I'm like, you you don't. And you don't, you don't really fit in right now. You're just like a mom visiting. Where's your son? She's, look like she's walking because so they had her dressed in like this like red jacket with like shoulder pads Mm -hmm. so she honestly just looked like a mean realtor walking around like she's just like gonna sell some houses she had the mom energy going on um yeah that commercial was wild um for two reasons one because of everything that it was because it was just her walking around these very like she's such a good actress but you can only make the lines work so hard. So it's just like, she's like, mm, Beast, you keep doing what you're doing. Not you, Gaston. <laughs> you keep on flexing. And it was just, it was like Oscar level cringy. But also, Fantasyland, fun fact, is the name of a gentleman's club uh, within driving distance of, of my home. So when it's just every time, it's just like, it's Fantasyland. Okay. Continue talking so I know what we're talking about. <laughs> oh, in this. Got it. Disney, not strip club. Got it. I mean, in that place, uh, Beast is going to keep doing what he's doing, but it's going to be a little bit different. Yeah, Gaston would not have been wearing his shirt in that in that uh, yeah. that version of uh, whatever. Um, but he would be flexing. Ooh, Magic Mike, but it's Gaston. <laughs> <laughs> no one strips like Gaston. <laughs> the ladies who tapping her in the back just swinging dollar bills. <laughs> One of them's getting married. Like, yeah! Oh, okay. Well, we have to talk about this episode at some point, which oh, I was right. The episode. Yeah, yeah. We we watched an episode. I actually watched this one twice because there was a lot of stuff going on, and it's the penultimate episode of season two, which is wild to me that we have already come this far. Like, eventually, we're going to be catching up to where we were watching in the first place, and then we're going to have to make. I mean, I want to just keep on trucking because yep. I think watching Frozen for the second time sounds really funny. Listen, we never watched it for a second time. So this is us watching this part, not probably second time, but maybe for the, you know, this rewatching it. So rewatching mm-hmm. these scenes, knowing what's coming, like of the stuff that we already did and recapping them in a different way. I mean, we've how far we've come. I mean, there's now two children between us. They're like, they so much yeah. has changed. Um also, but I mean, just to call back on that one, one of the biggest, like the first big things that I remember being like, we've made it as a podcast was during the charming back of a Ford jousting uh, episode when mm-hmm. several people did give me the calculations of what the force would be. And I was like, this is it. We've made it. People are doing calculations for us. <laughs> um, I thought about that episode specifically during this episode because 100% Balefire would have been dead when he hit the water at the end of this episode. He was dropped from so high. You don't make that landing. You're just Yeah, and, and they showed him basically dead and then he just like lumps down face first, like face plant. That boy has a concussion. <laughs> and then he just like coughs a little bit and he's like, oh, hey, surrogate father that I don't know is my surrogate father figure. Hey. All right, guys, let's go ahead and dive into this episode. Not belly flop. 
like they did. <laughs> Face down in the dirt, she said. Oh, that was really off key. I apologize for everybody on um, butchering some words. So this is we're setting up the the events of the end of the season. There is a lot to talk about with Regina, this failsafe and the curse that she's magically pulled out of her butt, and the whole Tamara Greg thing, which I have very mixed feelings about. But before we get to that, we are going to the story of Balefire. Uh, this episode starts with a recap that ends on Balefire falling through the portal, telling Rumble, you broke our deal, you broke our deal, goodbye, father. And he lands smack dab in a new land moments later, but yet surprisingly older with a very deep voice. Listen, man, those portals, they just, they age you up a little bit. You're like, you're I mean, not they tall say time moves differently in Neverland. Maybe time moves differently in portals. Yeah, he just goes through a portal. And the next thing he knows, he's he's two years older. He's got a deep, froggy voice. And uh, he's got the tif- t- uh, Timothy Chalamet haircut. Let's party. I- I'm guessing that Henry is probably going to go through that at some point in his life. He's going to go through a portal and boom, he's going to be a whole season older. I'm going to uh, devise a name for it. Portal puberty. That sounds terrifying. <laughs> Oh yeah, there's a new M Night Shyamalan movie called Old, where like people age one year every thirty minutes. It's just like that. Wait, is that the movie where they're like on an island, but it's confusing they're on, like, a beach and they're on, like or something? I yeah. watched that trailer and I was convinced I was like losing my mind. Like the whole, I was like, <laughs> I don't. And they're like old. What? So anyway, anyway. Yes. Yeah, so he has fallen, and he is like, okay, where, where the heck am I? Uh, there's people walking around in Victorian garb. Uh, there's uh, some gas lamps. There's a, a horse-drawn carriage, but it's a faster carriage. That's right, guys. We're in Dr. Frankenstein land. No, sorry. Nah, we're not. That would have been hilarious. Wouldn't that have been amazing? But no, this is not the fake uh, world of the science, the black and white world. The science. This is not, um, this is not a faux realm. According to the showrunners, this is real storybook sorry no so real like real america no this is england this is the real world earth real <laughs> real world victorian london because we look over pan over and it says kensington gardens and i really liked this touch because uh kensington gardens is a reference to the uh origins of peter pan so we're already getting a hint um that we are going to be diving into peter pan which we did and before we get into all the nitty gritty of it, I did want to say that, like, we haven't met Pan just yet. Um, we met Wendy, we met her brothers and everything. And there was speculation for a while in the fandom before this episode came out that Bay was going to be the boy who never grew up. He was this version's Peter Pan, which is true and not true. Because he does fill the role of a lost boy, mm-hmm. but there is still a Peter Pan. Oh boy, is there a Peter Pan? <laughs> but I really, like, there are some origin stories that the show didn't do well. Like, we've talked about Rumple as the Beast over and over again. This is one I feel they did right. They, as the lost boy, especially given Rumple's connection to the story, I just think is top notch. Um, so, so, so the first thing I want to say is that one of my favorite, um, 
gaffes that you and I have done is earlier in the season. We were like, I sure wish they would talk about Rumpel's dad. Why did they drop all that? And someone (laughs) in the Facebook group was like, guys, guys, Guys. they literally, it's literally season three. Oh yeah. So we had one of those for last, the last episode where you and I just had the name Greg in our head and we couldn't figure out who Greg was or why we were talking about Greg. That is literally the name of Ethan Embry's character, apparently. So we learned it, but we just didn't assign it to Ethan Embry, which I think mm. is fantastic. Um, <laughs> so anyway, there's that. Um, yeah, I I enjoy this. Um, I have mixed feelings about how Wendy was portrayed because she's a little all over the place. Um I love the story of Peter Pan. It's all very dark and crazy, um, even in its origins about like why it came to be. Um, that Wendy didn't exist as a name until this show uh, or until Peter Pan. Fun story. Uh, really? Yeah. Wendy was... I, please correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like that that's a trivia tidbit that's been living in my head for a very long time, is that Wendy did not... Wendy as a name did not exist until uh, Peter the Pan. Disney movie? Until... Uh, until whenever Peter. When, oh, when, you mean oh oh you whenever, mean name Wendy whenever, in general yeah, for Wendy mm. when when Wendy was uh, uh made for Peter Pan that name was created for her um and and, and then launched a chain of burgers as in for <laughs> Wendy <laughs> just what Wendy Darling would have wanted um but I love Peter Pan I've always loved the stories obviously the Disney version is suspect at best um but I loved Hook. Like, because I was obsessed with Robin Williams as a child. So, like, when Hook came out, I watched that movie a bajillion times mm-hmm. minimum. So, I've always liked the different portrayals of Lost Boys and why they came there. And I liked what they did with this one. That the Lost Boys, you know, it's like, oh, no, they have a great time until they miss it. Their mommies at the end. And then it's like my heart breaking. <laughs> no. My poor motherly heart. I'll go adopt all of those children. <laughs> Yeah, and maybe like, date a pirate. I don't know. When when night falls, everything's miserable, but they can't go. Like that's just that sounds horrible. It also explains why the pirates are so angry and full of vengeance. I mean, could you imagine? It's just surfing around an island, just full of crying children. I would also be angry and wanting to pull a trigger on a gun at anyone near me. Ah. <laughs> ah. Um. And, oh, and uh, funny funny tidbit on the on the wiki it says. Uh, the first land without magic events, which is uh, the story of Bay in um, in London, England, takes place thousands of years after Flower Child, which was the Flower Child was the episode with oh. you know like from the final season. I just yeah. find it weird that we're like, okay, we need to set it on the timeline like that. Sure, why what not? A, what a bizarre way to set it on the timeline. Oh. Sure, I guess. Yeah, so he is in Kensington Gardens, which in itself should have been more enough of an explanation for us to understand that this is turn-of-the-century London. But no, we have to pan to uh, the, the Big Ben that's set at 8.15, which is the, the lost time, which is the time of the curse. I found it a fun tidbit. And I was like, okay, fine. Cool. But then uh- he had to go and, like... Put text on screen, London, England. I'm like, how stupid do you think we are? I figured this out like 45 minutes ago. (laughs) Yeah, it's just like, all right, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to tell them it's Kensington, England. Also, again, um, my favorite thing is both you and I saying Kensington, England in our American accents. Because I always feel like you should be saying it, Kensington, Kensington Gardens. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, Okay, what else are we going to show them? Ooh, I know. We'll show them Big Ben, uh, but uh, inappropriately built time. Line. Sure. Fine. Cool. 
oh, they might not get it. What should we do? Words, big words. Should we do anything else? Oh, I don't know. Let's make him dress up like Oliver Twist. Amazing. Give this man a raise. Yeah, so some time passes and uh, Bay is... Oh, six six months. Very specifically. They gave us another text on screen. That one I forgot about. Six months. I'm so angry about the last one. And uh, he is living as uh, an urchin, a street urchin. Please, sir, may I have some more? No, you may not. You have to sneak into someone's house to go steal the bread for yourself. That's how we do it in America. I mean, Victorian England. No, because so then we're going to cross in. over. We're going to cross over into Les Mis real quick. I stole some bread, and then look down, look down, <laughs> down. Uh, so he sneaks into a house uh, to um, and finds some bread, and he just starts. I mean, I don't know why this is a trope that always happens, but then again, I've never, I've been fortunate enough to never be this hungry, but where you see like a thing of bread, for instance, and you just tear into it in the most inefficient way possible. I'm like, he's still like, you're, you're going to get a better bite if you don't chew from the top down. Like, so... Okay, so on that, um, I thought the same thing, and I also did the privilege check in my brain where I was just like, okay, so I don't understand how hungry he is. So maybe that's, but I don't think anyone, and I don't want to, was... no, I'm not going to go there. Uh, I first of all thought it was just hilarious that it was just three loaves of white Wonder Bread just all sitting in a row, like with nothing else. Like, mm-hmm. what are these kids eating? Why is it just like, why are these parents sound terrible? Just like, don't worry, children, I've left out three things of bread for you. You'll one be fine. Each. One each, you'll be fine. Don't feed it to the dog. Um, but also, Beth, he had to eat it that inefficient way. Sliced bread had not been invented yet. <laughs> I like that. We're very concerned. Now that we're in the real world, we have to be very concerned with how things work. Exactly. Things in the timeline, guys. Timeline and bread. Because I think it's like eight. I'm going to pull this just out of nowhere, but I'm going to. I had a shirt. That said something about when sliced bread was invented. And I feel like it was like 1847. I might be completely wrong, but I'm just putting it out there. Someone tell me I'm wrong, but I'm just going to put it out there and see how right I am. Because I'm not going to Google it while we try it. I'm just going to say it like I know. I'm going to have yeah. a very confident man energy no, right I, now. I think our goal is every single week to have one thing that might be wrong. And then the next time we find out whether or not it was. Uh, good. I would rather it be obscure yeah. than a rate like a giant season long plot line that we've completely <laughs> forgot about. We started big and we're going small. Like exactly. we're going I'm gonna get gradually really specific. Actually, Abby, it was 1949. Damn it. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, he comes across a young woman who's brandishing a, a a statue of some kind, and this is Wendy. Wendy, darling. Wendy, and darling. I liked the actress. I thought she was cute. I thought she was sweet. I thought she had a great presence. But you are absolutely right. This was a very messy role. Like, there were some parts where I really liked her. She was being very kind and gentle and sweet. And then there were other times she was just being a freaking idiot. Where she's just like, he's like, don't don't go to the window. Okay, I won't. I'm at the window. It's the shadow guy. <laughs> it's literally a scene later. Don't yeah. go to the window. Okay, the window. Uh <laughs> But like, I, I like this whole scene. Okay, so for a thousand reasons. And one is because, again, I was on the IMDb page looking up the actor who played Bay, the young Bay, because I wanted to see if I knew him anything. Uh, and then I was like looking through and IMDb has like this new mobile thing where it's just like showing you some of the actors and like it showed who played the dad. The dad had 
like one line and it was an incredulous what when his mom, like his wife decided to do something like crazy. So, but the mom isn't listed. She had more lines and was a pivotal part of the plot. Like hilarious. Like, I don't understand how it worked. Maybe she's just never been anything. And so she didn't really have any credits. I don't know. She had a very like, I wanted to say like a mini driver thing going on, but I think mm-hmm. I might be thinking about somebody else. I think I'm thinking about, uh, did you see the movie, Michael? Oh, uh, what's her Probably, name? Probably. Like, I don't remember. Ago. There's a woman, the main character woman in Michael. That's what this woman reminded me of. Anyway, not important. Um, I love this whole scene because first of all, this is just pop culture references with Abby today. Uh, but it had the Xavier meeting mystique, uh, energy of just being like, you don't have to steal. You can just stay here forever. My parents will never notice when you live in the wall of the living room (laughs) with a very clear handle on it. Just hello. Like, Oh, I loved it so much. <laughs> yeah, and 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 he's like, "Oh, they're not. They they don't know I'm here. Of course they don't. They don't suspect a thing, don't we?" <laughs> I, I just love it because she's scene. also feeding him more bread. And again, as a celiac, I was just wondering if she'd just be like, "Excuse me, I, I'm like, I'm really bad with gluten. Like, can you steal literally anything else?" Uh, but yeah, <laughs> I, I love the protein. Yeah, exactly. Kid, please, God, I I'm so tired. Please, Charcuterie all you've been feeding, board, for the love of God. All you've been feeding me is carbs. Please, I'm not into keto, but this is insanity. Um, I do love the parents because like the dad had no control over the situation. Like he no. tried to seem like he did. He had the very presence of a man who was going to do that, but then it was just like, well, honey, you can stay. I know nothing about you. You can stay upstairs with my children, like in the same room. Uh, it's probably fine whatever <laughs> and he goes what and then it's like it's it's done deal and yeah he's so in one scene he was sleeping on the floor and then the next another scene he was sleeping in a bed so i i don't quite know what their whole dealio was but it was a dealio i think maybe it was just a um just a frame you know scene setting issue or something you know directorial choices uh, so Wendy tells Bay about the shadow that keeps showing up at their house. Coincidentally, like right around the time Bay showed up. That's weird, right? Weird. Yeah. Totally strange. I bet there's not a coincidence yeah. to that at all. Um, and, uh, and they're like, oh yeah, this, this, um, he, he can change shape. He's a shadow without a body. He can change shape. He can fly. He can do all these things. It's because he has magic. And then Bay's like, oh fuck. Got to deal <laughs> with this shit again. <laughs> Damn it, I thought I escaped it. You said a land without magic, and yet here we are. Yeah, he tells them to avoid the shadow, not let it in. And she's like, you just don't believe in magic. You don't believe in fairies and mermaids. He's like, no, I actually believe in them a lot. I saw them all the time. They're bad news bears. (laughs) Some of them are actually bears, and they're also bad news. Also, mermaids kind of suck. I love this whole scene because it just... I think had this scene just been sort of plopped out and it would have just been literally anything else. Like just cut to Wendy saying she was going to go to Neverland, like not even breaking a promise because that after what he went through with his dad should have been a big deal breaker for him. Like breaking promises to Balefire is a non-starter. And mm-hmm. so she literally does it immediately. She's like, definitely not. Definitely won't go by the window. Wanders towards the window. Like, I won't go anymore. Already there. Um, <laughs> but she like, she breaks a promise. But like, if you take that whole scene out of them, like explaining it and then him like forcefully explaining that he doesn't like magic and that he doesn't want to be part of it. I think it still would have made sense. 
it yeah. nothing nothing about that story of when she comes back i think was really affected um, of other than him like being able to not scare the boys when she's telling him that like later but to be like no i come from a land without magic my my dad like my dad left me and is you know that's why i say he's dead because of magic I feel like it would have been a little bit more powerful there instead of in the beginning. But again, they're children and children are whatever. So. Yeah, this, there was, there were a few things that were over explained in this backstory that I think the audience is smart enough to have gotten for themselves because this is a really cool story, but it is kind of plopped over our heads a little bit too much. Like, we don't need Balefire directly looking into the camera and telling us family is more important than magic over and over again, but that's like exactly what he does. It's 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 hit us over the head. Like the it's a subtext is directly text situation and it, it just makes it feel like the writers don't trust the audience to know this very key character to the whole story and his father's dynamic after all over two like over two seasons almost going into a third <laughs> listen kid we're gonna need you to look very stern when you're saying this and i need you to gather up as much vin diesel energy as you can look straight into camera and just say family <laughs> that's i just <laughs> it's exactly what you need to do because yeah he gives this very like impassioned stilted but it's but very stilted speech about not liking it and she's like 100 percent I will never go near that window for the rest of my life. That is a promise. And a promise is something that you absolutely cannot break. Scene change. <laughs> hey, man, by the window! Like, Bye. like you see, we see nothing of her, like, being, like, like, magic or, like, brainwashed or, like, you know or what I mean? just like, her thought process. I just want to know how she got from... I will bleed before I go next to the window. I'm leaving forever. Like, how did we go from one thought to the other? Please. I know she is a child and children can be fickle, but that is such a leap. It's like two different children. It's not like it was one of the boys. Had it been one of the boys, I almost would have got it because like Wendy was just like, yes, I got it. The boys were just like, I'm here also. And these glasses are far too big for me because I needed to look like the cartoon character. Where's my top hat? Yeah, and it was also weird that she went without them. Like, I get yeah. it for the narrative, but they they were kind of a package deal in terms of believing in the shadow and wanting to follow it. Um, but yet, but for the for the, for the sake of the narrative that they were pursuing, it's Wendy goes alone. She comes back in the morning, and um, there's uh, serious trauma vibes in a way that made me uncomfortable. I know that's not what they were going for but like this felt like a, a a woman who'd like a young woman who just like like war stories like i, I it, yeah i got the same it didn't so it didn't trigger me much uh the regina torture scene did i had I had very odd triggers to that but this one i definitely did get that vibe of like she's been there for years and like she's just she's seen some stuff and the wendy that left is not the wendy that came back uh, it was all, it was very heavy, very heavy. Yeah. Um, yeah, I got the same thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so she says, oh, well, I was brought back because the shadow only wants boys. And so he's going to come for one of my brothers and oh shit, I've, I've screwed everything up. And apparently he's just going to settle for one. Just like, I just want one of the, I, I, 
the shadow's logic does not make sense to me, but it's a shadow. Well, whatever. I I also think, and and I don't know how far in advance any of this had been thought, but it was a no. There's a very specific boy that he wants in that room, um, because, you know, obviously it wants Bay. It wants Bay, right? Like, mm-hmm. so maybe she just misunderstood. Like, you know, like, no, I'm, but I'll come back for one of the boys. And obviously in her mind, like, yes, she's grown attached and become friends with Bay, but her brothers are the attachment. Like if someone mm-hmm. said that about my family and like some random person, I'd be like, oh, I got to protect my, again, Vin Diesel voice, my family. Um, <laughs> just got to protect my family. Um, so yeah. And, and they, the next scene is just such a roundabout way to get where they wanted to go in the first place. Yeah, like, they, they, they pull some like Macaulay Culkin Home Alone shit even down to like... None of it worked. Yeah, none of it had, worked. What were the jacks on the windowsill? It's a shadow that flies. It's not going to be like, fly, fly, fly. Oh, ow, ow, ow. I like the idea that they were like, they were like, okay, well, we're going to set up this thing. First of all, we're going to put a very large saucepan on the dog's head that will definitely stay there the entire time. Suspension of belief is gone. What are you going to be doing? And he was like, I'm going to put jacks in the windowsill. You know what? You go do that and get the hell out of our way. Like, uh, we're going to go do actual things, things that also won't work, but you go do that. Don't fall out the window. Oh, yeah. I didn't understand any of it. There were no paint cans on strings. Like, what are they even doing? Yeah, and I don't get... Well, I also don't get why they didn't hide the brothers in the first place. Thank you. Or just... Or just hide in general, like, you know, just leave, have Wendy there by herself or something because they're not going to take her. Although, you know, she's a child and that'd probably scare the crap out of her and I wouldn't blame her. But hide the brothers. Hide the brothers. They're not going to fight. Michael's certainly not going to fight. He didn't even hide. (laughs) He (laughs) just stood there. Oh, Michael. Because he's four. Also, like, who was in charge of watching Michael? Like, yeah. please. Like, you can't expect him to do stuff. I They're barely listening when you talk to them. Toddlers are not to be trusted. Um, Yeah, this... You speak this, as if from experience. Th- no, no. My son is perfect <laughs> and he listens constantly. <laughs> he listens too much. It's actually his biggest flaw. He listens to me too well. No. No. <laughs> Sometimes they just look off and think about literally anything else. Um, so yeah, this whole scene, like I don't understand why they didn't just have, I mean, I understand why. And I understand why they had the big scene of him explaining magic, like some big stump speech he was making about it is because they weren't going to spend enough time there. They were like, Uh literally like they were literally a guy backstage going stretch, stretch. Like they were just trying to figure out how to stay in Peter Pan land as long as they possibly can Mm -hmm. without, I would have liked if they would have made this a longer situation. Mm-hmm. Like, not this weird, stretched out 10 minute. Because we've been talking about it for way longer than it even appeared on screen. Uh, but I would have liked for this to, to be expounded on because Neverland is one thing. Like, Neverland is obviously the fun place. But narratively, I would have liked to see Bay before that to see what he learns from normal people. Mm-hmm. And obviously, he learns compassion. Um, he probably learns later how to eat bread properly. Um, learns how to take care of a dog, I assume. Loved the dog. Not the not the sheep dog that is in this regular, but a, a St. Bernard works, I guess, in a pinch. Yeah. Or heck, just replace the scene of them explaining the shadow to, to Bay. Replace that with a scene of them just being a family. Yeah. You know? And, and show Bay, like, just sitting around the fire 
or dinner table laughing and smiling and Bay feeling this attachment to these people. And then in the next scene, he wakes up with a shock because she's with a shadow. She's about to go off to this place called Neverland because we, the audience, don't need to be told what Neverland is. We we know. Yeah. They can be filled in very quickly. Also, like, it doesn't matter where, like, they're trying to explain it later about what Neverland is. Even if somehow I've made it all the way to adulthood and don't know a single thing about Neverland, which could happen, we don't need to explain it before we get there. Mm-hmm. You just need to be like, no, they take they take children there, but, you know, it could have been explained a thousand different ways. Like, hey, they're coming for you. They don't want us. We miss our parents. They want people that are unattached because they're tired of the weird little kids they're crying. They want kids that don't have parents. And they, they you know, they, the shadow knows that you don't have parents here. So it's coming for you. Mm-hmm. Like, that is a whole different turn on it. And if they would have been trying to protect them, and then Wendy trying to sacrifice herself and him saying, no, you can't sacrifice yourself. You need to stay here with your family. I'm just passing through. Let them take me. I'll be fine. Like, that's a whole story I can get behind. Mm-hmm. it's more it's tragic she knows what he's sacrificing it's a whole thing so again i like i like by the way too that they're always like in one big room that's my favorite thing about peter pan this is like why we all stay in this like one big room they would be fighting constantly i don't know if i could <laughs> stay in a room with all of my siblings and sleep normally i feel like that would work out for a couple of days like on a vacation situation but it would fall mm-hmm. apart very quickly <laughs> Uh, my my sisters and I had to do that for a while. It was fine. You know, you, you get you you adapt. You adapt. Okay. Okay. The, you had to keep talking because your first "it's fine" did not sell me. I was like, "It's not fine." But was like, it's fine. <laughs> it was, it was fine. fine. It was it fine. It was fine. It's fine. It's fine. Well, anyway, so so Bay sacrifices himself, and then we get that really long, overdrawn, flying sequence that. For no reason, where Bay almost runs into stuff multiple times. I don't know why, but he the, does. The only time you do extended scenes like that is when you're coming out with a video game in which the hardest level will be this. Yeah, I, to my maybe, knowledge, maybe there maybe is not a video game. On that. Boy, I want it to that. come out and I want to play it if it exists. Please, <laughs> once upon a time video game. We got I Regina want, in I, Fantasyland, but not this video game. Bullshit. No, once upon a time dating sim. <gasps> <laughs> and then they go to the second star to the right straight on till midnight it's not quite morning yet uh and they're flying over the water toward neverland and and base like oh shit it's neverland oh i didn't know that no and then he has like matches and he just like lights the match and puts it toward the shadow apparently that is enough for the shadow to drop him he falls to his death jk he's alive he's bae He's bae, guys. He's bae. He's our bae. No, he actually dies. Everything after this has been a Jacob's Ladder situation. <laughs> and he is picked up by the Jolly Roger, captained by none other than the Hook of Hooks, Captain Hook. And um, I didn't think about this until the second time watching how awkward this is. Because Hook is the guy that his mom left him for. Yeah. Like, so Hook is now taking care of the boy who who his mother <laughs> abandoned him for. And that's awkward. I don't know if that's going to come his, up. Hold on. Hold on. So 
Bay, just poor Neil. Bay has now been rescued by the person who ultimately led to his mother's demise, who will then later take care of his, his, the love of his life. Yeah. <laughs> Captain Hook is out for the Rumpelstiltskin clan. I hope Peter Pan doesn't have a fancy because Hook's coming to steal her. Um, I, oh my God. First of all. Versus the hook she told you not to worry about. Yeah, right. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, oh my God. So like when, when, when the uh, commercial for uh, the Fantasyland thing to finish, finish playing, it auto played to a behind, a 10 minute behind the scenes about the wedding musical episode that happened and I forgot all about it. And I was like, oh my God, so much stuff is going to lead to this. There is a musical episode on a horizon that we'll get to experience again. I'm so excited. And it's a uh, wedding prank. And just to add just my one, th- I'm going to mm. say my one thirsty take of the episode. I'm probably going to say more. I don't know why, but I'm just going to say the one. Uh, but, you know, just being fished out of the water and opening your eyes and seeing uh, Killian Jones <laughs> be like, hello, love. That has got to be the launch of so many fan fictions. <laughs> It's just mm-hmm. like I was swimming in the water and then and then I was fished out and I opened my eyes and there he was, eyeliner and all. It's like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Always wasted on the children. Um yeah. This is I like that Smee also got a credit for just standing there. He's just like, I'm yeah. here. So that's <laughs> I'm yeah. here. Where's my where's my sag stuff? Well, now we're going to go ahead and run to Storybrooke, where uh, Neil has awoken from a dream, I'm guessing, about his past. They kind of do a little, like, they're kind of indicating that he's kind of thinking about his past with Wendy. Mm -hmm. Uh, But he looks up and sees uh, 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 Captain Michael Burnham getting ready to jog in what basically looked like her Star Trek uniform, which made me very happy. She was look, dressed for the job you want, girl. Like, yeah. Um, I like this. I like this scene a lot because it, it, to me, and I don't know if you got the same inflection, but this did have like a very like real world vibe to it because like he was barely awake, but still just like, hey, <laughs> hey, you want to come back to bed? <laughs> <laughs> I'll give you a workout. Like, that is such, like, it's just, like, he's barely conscious. All he wants to do is go back to sleep. Unless. Like, like, like that's such a, such a, like, I don't know, dating, we're on vacation, whatever. Um, And she's like, no, I have to go run. Like, my marathon's coming up. And as someone who's trained for a marathon, that's a real thing. Like, nothing else matters. I've eaten my food. I have to go for my run. If I don't run 16 miles today, what's the last 16 weeks been for? Hmm? Hmm? And if I don't, I'll also become a terrible person. I have to run. If I don't get the endorphins, I'm going to snap. But she's obviously not going for a run. She's going to... I'm just going to cut to this one. She's going to the Storybrooke cannery that... (laughs) That definitely has plot significance later in the episode and carries... Why? It's so specific. Like, the specificity of this, of just, like, she smelled sardines. It's the cannery. Ah, yes. The Storybrooke cannery. There's 12 people that live here. Who works here? Please. Yeah, who who works here? Who buys this product? Do they export it? 
Like you can't have you can't have a big factory, a cannery like this if you're not exporting your goods to a larger market. I There's not the enough people in Storybrooke to buy your stupid fish. Like, we're cracking it wide open, okay? We've been wondering this whole time <laughs> what they did to sustain their economy. Sardine canning. They have they have a port right there. They send their people out. They go fishing. They come back. They can it. They send it out. That's how money keeps coming back to the economy. Ten out of ten. Love it. Um. So it's just they go down there. Regina's like strapped to a table. Mm-hmm. And Greg, ah, I remember his name. Greg is there, and they he's like, "Hey, Hook, we're gonna like torture her to get information about my dad." To get information that I should already know. Like, I don't know what he thinks she's going to tell him. Mm-hmm. Like, does she, does he think that at any point she's going to be like, oh, I kept that random dude for 26 or however long, 28 years in a cell just in case. No. Yeah. We all knew what was coming at the end of this. He is literally the only one surprised. Even tomorrow was like, hey, man, sorry about that. I figured you would have gotten there faster, but you take your own journey. But um, Killian is just like, no, I want one thing. I would like to murder Rumpelstiltskin. I have no interest in torturing this woman. So I'm just going to leave until we do that. I don't know where I'm going. He's just like standing in a different room. I'm just going to leave the episode. I'm going to walk away. I'm going to go to the craft service table, see if they've got any cheese. I'm going to put it on my hook and eat it like fancy man. Um, And one thing I want to point out from this, and like this shouldn't have bothered me as much as it (laughs) it really shouldn't have. But when he was putting those nodes on her, he he put one on her temple and then one like way below her temple. Like his his placement of the nodes was so bad. Oh. I could not ignore it. It was so terrible. It, Ethan Embry, come on. Oh, it's just a mess. Um so <laughs> the whole time and we're just going to talk about these two here for a second because the entire conversation about the the home base and the other people and the 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 firm or whatever that they work for all of this fell so flat it sounded like they were lying and i don't even know I, again i don't remember the conclusion of this epi- i don't remember the conclusion of the storyline i genuinely don't i don't know if they're lying or not it feels bad they don't name it they don't call it anything we don't hear anybody else they're, they're talking to. It's just these two people being like, the people back home are really going to like this. The people back home definitely know what this weird chocolate diamond is. The people back home are going to be so, it's like, oh, there's, do you think there's only two of us? What is this? Like, I don't like this. I had the exact same thoughts because I I'm a fan of a good we're working for an organization that's bigger than ourselves and you're going to find out about it when we're ready for you to find out about it. You know, it's like, it's like the, the henchman with Cruella DeVille, you know, well, the boss ain't going to like this. It's like, it's very there when you have like the cogs in the machine and the cogs are used to kind of tease out that machine. I dig that kind of story. I think it's fun. It's like, Oh, you think you're that, like you think you're special or you think that we're the only ones? No, there's a whole 
larger group at play, like Valamorgulis, like there's a whole network. But these two could not sell it to save their lives. They were so, like, they just seemed so, as actors, incredibly disinterested in this part of their character stories that they were just, like, reciting a grocery list. It and sounded, they couldn't sell it. No, because it also sounded like a lot of placeholders. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Where it was just like, the people back home, the people back home. It's like, at any point, are we going to add what they are? No, we're not. And, like, I did, like... Yeah, you're right. The woman playing tomorrow just seemed very checked out for most of this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, even kind of in the fight scene. And Ethan Embry put all of his energy into being super creepy to Regina. Um, and I will say, I think think i remember what the organization is or who at least at the very least who runs it i'm pretty sure i remember that and if i'm correct in that it should have had an even bigger resonance in this episode it should have been teased out more and i mean unless the showrunners had no idea who it was at the time which why would they if they're teasing out all this stuff in the storyline there's no excuse for them not to, they don't have to like spell it out for us. We're literally arguing for them not to do that kind of thing in the show. But they need to make us more invested. Well, but I also think that like, and when they're telling that to Regina, like I kind of get that of just speaking in vague, vague terms, whatever. But like even with themselves, they're, they're referring to them in very vague terms. Like if at anything, they'd be like, listen, Steve is going to call us at any minute. Like, we have to give him an answer. Like, they would be using names with each other. They would be using different kind of phrasing. But they're using the same phrasing to be vague with Regina that they are to each other. Mm -hmm. So that's why it seems weird to me. So, so anyway, uh, this whole thing is Greg hooking Regina up. He skipped node practice at work, apparently. uh, Placed them weird. He's just going to torture the answer out of Regina. Um, and he does not, this is my, this was a good character choice. I think Regina just took it, um, because I'm going to jump to snow here in a second, but I love that Regina took every single thing. She didn't make any noise. She just arched in a way that was just like, this is electricity throwing through my body. I can't control this, but you will not Mm -hmm. be getting the screams. You will not be getting anything else. You might be getting some groans or something like that, but you are not going to get me begging or pleading or asking you to stop. She makes a couple kind of like faces of like, oh, please, God, don't do this anymore. But she never gives in to the torture, mm-hmm. um, which I think is, mwah, I love this about how, her portrayal. I didn't love her being tortured, obviously, because um, all he wants to know is where his dad is. Don't know why Excuse he me, thinks where his father is. His father he only is. calls him my father. My father. father. I, also his speech my was rattling on about like it seemed like he should have like some sort of like wicked accent while he was doing it where he's like I was telling everyone I knew about this magic but no one believed me until one day some random person came to me again naming no one like it's just like they found me who who found you give a, a little bit don't have to name them just a little bit more context what you grew up with how you figured it you know what whatever he's just trying to explain that there is a bigger thing and that he is going to electrocute her as apparently a personal vendetta. 
Yeah. And and so she does eventually tell him that, yeah, like I, I murdered him and I buried him where, where, where your campsite was in a very cruel thing. And for me, my like my when I was first watching the episode, I was thinking like, OK, why didn't she tell him this in the first place? Because the way she tells him in this moment is like this evil proud, like this evil pride. Where, and But then I kind of realized what it was, and I feel like it was a very smart character choice. She wasn't telling him for the longest time, not because, I, I think it's because once she found out who he was, she still wanted his approval. Because this was still the boy that she wanted to love her, and he, the boy who got away. The, the the child that got away from her and so I think she didn't want to she didn't want to see the disappointment in his face or feel like she failed him so she was lying to him and lying to herself until like her back was against the wall and she you know much like when she murdered that village had to embrace the evil queen again as a consequence for her actions so counterpoint okay I like that idea my counterpoint is this is how I read it I read it as Regina is this, Regina has learned a lot from before when she was a young, impulsive evil queen. She's not going to tell him anything that's not going to directly serve her. Because mm-hmm. if she's going to tell him, it needs to do something for her. She's not going to just be like, oh, him? I killed him. Because that doesn't do anything for her. It just gives him a motive for uh, violence. But it doesn't please her in any way. So if she just keeps saying, I don't know, because now he's irritated. And that does please her. Now it's led to her being tortured. So she's not going to say anything because at this point it would please him to find this information out. Like, yes, it would upset him, but that's what he wants from her. And she's not going to give into that. She's no man will tell her what she's going to tell, tell somebody else. The only point that she, she find like she finally says anything is when she, when he cranks that damn thing up to 11 and she knows she's about to die. She's like, this will be the last thing that I do. And she says, Fine. If I'm going to die, I'm going to die knowing that I've upset you beyond absolute reason. It now serves her. It now does something for her. It will give her something to be like, I'm dying, but by the last thing that I did was completely ruin a man's life. Fantastic. So she... I, I can... she no, go ahead. That's, that's, where I, that's how I read it. That's just how I read it. Because she says it, and then, I mean, she still gets electrocuted, obviously, because he's mad. But that's how I read it. I, I think that's a very fair point. I still... I think they could be kind of combined a bit. I do think she still sees him as the the boy who got away. Yeah. There's, and there's also, in this episode and in this, this sequence of episodes, there is a theme of family getting, who, the boy who got away, the family that got away. Right. And so I feel like this is an echo of that. Um, but I do, I do also see your point that, like, yeah, she still wouldn't tell him until it served her the best. But I also think that she was, you know, she has a history of concealing things from Henry to try and protect him. I feel like she was kind of doing the same thing with Greg. Anyway, uh, can I just share how much I love how often in this episode, Emma and Charming walk into rooms holding guns. Oh, amazing. (laughs) Like father, like daughter. Guns drawn. We're we're miming guns drawn because yeah we're doing a we very Charlie's to. Angels thing right now. Sorry yeah. guys. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe for one of the episodes, like if we can pull it off, we can do like a like an actual recording recording. Like it'll just be mm-hmm. like it comes in video as well. Um, because it's a lot, guys. We're both of us. We're very visual. Um, 
I'm but also we never started doing this until the pandemic. We used to just do audio and I'm mm -hmm. furious about that. Uh, we should have been doing this from the beginning. Um, so cut to so I'm gonna I'm gonna combine two things is because mm -hmm. first of all, we've got Rumple and Lacey having some sort of like weird drunken they're not the drunken like crazy that they're having like Balefire Neil runs out into the street to find like Rumple with Dr. Whale under his boot threatening to beat the shit out of him because he looked at Lacey. I don't know what looks mean. Like it's like what toxic like it's the middle of the day on a Tuesday. Like what is happening right now? And you know, Neil tells him exactly what we're all thinking of you have spent this entire time looking for me and now you found me and now you're doing this because your girlfriend's <laughs> memory has been wiped and now she's really into bad dudes. Like what's wrong with you? And, and Rumpel's just like, whatever, see ya. Don't be a square. But they let Rumpel or they let Dr. Whale leave without getting his, his ass kicked. I, I find Lacey's character funnier and funnier. The more we see her, <laughs> because it's just such a like flat character it's not more exciting than bell it's just different yeah it's so like they could be doing so much more with her and i feel like the actress wants to do more with her yeah but it's it's that they've written themselves into a corner with bell as a character and instead of using Lacey as an excuse to to draw that out to um, to grow on it and and make it better, they just like they they kept her in the same corner, but then uh, shined a black light onto it, and now it's darker. Like they they swapped out the light bulb, and now it's darker there, and it's but it's the same corner. Like she she has had no character development from having a complete personality shift. Because she still is subservient as ever, and now she's begging Rumple to make her immortal so they could be together forever. I'm like, Lacey doesn't. Lacey would never want that. No, no, no that doesn't make any sense. Not a damn lick of sense. Uh, my favorite way to describe this, and I learned this from someone describing uh, Sebastian Stan and Richard Madden. Uh, same thing, different fonts. Um, <laughs> So that's that's what I'm getting from like the Lacey thing because then they just like tried to be like oh well Lacey's like she's cool at pool and she likes to wear tight dresses, obviously wants to be immortal. Uh, okay, like what are you talking about? Whatever. So oh, one one point I do want to make with this though with with the scene where Rumple and Lacey are talking about magic and then immortality and then the boy being the undoing. I don't know if you noticed this, but he magics her a diamond necklace and puts it on her. And then they start talking about the boy being the undoing in the scene where Rumple had the dream about the boy, like killing the boy. Yeah. It, uh, well, no, no, the, the, yeah, he had a dream about, yeah, he had a dream about it. It started with him giving Bella a necklace. Dun, dun, dun. So like, I don't know if this was on purpose or not, but they were like, so draw, was, I, th I thought it was a cool parallel. I like that. I like that. Yeah, so they're back. Uh, they're back at Gold Shop, and they're like, they're like, yeah, we're gonna get drunk in the middle of the day at a pawn shop party time. Uh, Snow and Charming come bursting in because they've decided that they need to find Regina uh, because they don't know where she is. Because uh, the scene that we missed here, and I'm not gonna stumble all over this one because this lasted way longer than I needed to. But 
Emma, Charming, and uh, Snow go to Regina's place. They find out that the beans guns are missing. Drawn. Guns drawn. That the beans are missing um, and that uh, someone clearly was in there and not Regina. So obviously something's wrong. So anyway, cut to Gold Shop. Charming and Snow are like, hey, you owe me a favor. Help me find Regina. And he's like, oh, well, I will just give you this very pricey object that I have. Like something that I'm not going to be able to replicate. Here is Regina's tear. How'd you get Regina's tear? Stop asking questions. Here it is. Anyway, put this in your eye. Get a small eye infection. And you're going to be able to see uh, what Regina sees. So you'll be able to find her. Anyway, get out of my shop. Thank you. Um, That's that whole scene. Um, I also like that when they cut to it, they, they cut to like when, when charming is giving her the eye drop, it's so much liquid. I'm like, boy, Regina really got some big old crocodile tears. Yeah. As does snow. As does snow. Like just like one giant tear is five milliliters. And she, and she volunteers to do this because she's like, because of my dark heart, dark heart, my dark heart, maybe doing this will make it lighter. I'm like. No, this that's not how this works. You no. you can't you're doing this for selfish reasons. Ah, uh, it, yes. It's like it's like being good for Santa because you want to get better presents. Like if 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 you're doing that, like the the cosmic forces know that you're not doing it for good reasons. Um, I'd like to point out that this podcast always makes me realize how many random pop culture references I have just swimming in my head because I was about to relate it to the good place and just be like, This is the Tahani problem. You can donate millions or get donate, you know, like get all these billions of dollars. But if you did it for false pretenses, you're never going to make it into the good place. You have to do it for the right reasons. Um, so this is what I like. So we mentioned before that Regina doesn't really like act tortured to any of this when she's being electrocuted. Mm-hmm. She just arches, which is the, the effect that you're going to have when your body is electrocuted. And she just sort of takes it. She just... Uh, much to Greg's dissatisfaction. Charming puts the eye drop in snow. She kind of blinks a little and then it hits her. Um, first of all, I like that they're like, you're going to see what Regina sees. But then we see like Regina's face. I'm like, yeah, it's okay. But what Regina sees, it's who they mean by what the once upon a time camera (laughs) see. Apparently what they mean is Regina having an out of body experience. Apparently, uh, snow is just, sobbing and it was terrible and it hurt and I smelled fish and like it was just like the difference between the like I I've never considered snow to be soft by any means like she's always been tougher mm-hmm. um I think than they mean but like this whole scene just it just made me laugh where I was just like just like you know that it wasn't real like you you just like this reaction was so big for no reason just like, let's make her seem soft and small and good. Like, oh, it hurts so bad. I hated it. Also, I smelled a fish. <laughs> like, specifically sardines. It's probably fine. It's the one clue Emma needs. Uh, who is with <laughs> Neil uh, on the docks happily, apparently, uh, because they went to track down and found out that Tamara is actually, like, on the beach, which, uh, you know, because Emma's still trying to convince Neil that Tamara's bad. Uh, and he's like, oh, no, it's probably not that. And she's like, oh, she said she smelled tar- sardines. Quick. Draw your gun. Don't have one? I'll just draw mine. Into the cannery. They go <laughs> running in there. 
And they have this, like, I did appreciate this setup line where it was just like, hey, if it's Tamara, will you be on my side? Yes, if it's Tamara, I'll be on your side. But it's not. And then just Tamara behind him with a big pipe. But it is! Soink! <laughs> and hits him right off the head. Yeah. Okay. I didn't get this choice because, like, why didn't Tamara just peace out? No one saw her. She could have just snuck away. Like, why did she have to come up and hit Emma and then be like, actually, I am super evil. I don't. Like, why didn't she just go away and then just run it back to the beach and just be like, hey, babe, I've been at the beach this whole time. Why didn't she just go down there and like run in and be like, hey, Greg, we've been made. And then like, well, Greg knew. So he but he also wasn't trying to get out. Like, I think they just needed her to be there to to. Well, a to. Yeah, the choice didn't make sense character wise. But the only reason they had her there was so that she could, you know, whatever with with Balefire, but then also to, like, make it so that you could see that Greg has been compromised. Greg is not on mission. Greg is off mission. Um, and he is he's ruining everything. Uh, he's not focused. So I do want to ask a quick thing about uh, tomorrow. Okay. Uh, so when she's kind of waxing poetic at Regina. She talks about like how magic is unholy and it they're gonna have the cleansing fire, which gave me Ugh. weird like Frollo Ugh. vibes. And I wasn't a fan of it. But here's the question I have because like when when she confronts Neil and is like, yeah, I was lying to you the whole time, then she's like, yeah, but you should totally get my point. Like you don't like magic. Why don't you want to get rid of it? Which makes me wonder why was she spending the whole time of their relationship lying to him instead of trying to, like, recruit him or get him yeah. on her side, brainwash yeah. him, cult him? He's He loves her, clearly. Like, I don't – there's a huge – you can't just be like, oh, you totally see my point, which is why I lied to you about it the whole time. Yeah, I really feel like that would have made sense. But obviously, narratively, I feel like Neil would have been a hard sell. Mm. Because, obviously, she didn't know any of that until she was whisked into it on accident. Um, like, she was not brought there because of her, really, or her own design. She just attached herself to Neil and played the waiting game. Um, but I feel like in Neil's, like, complete, like, magic sobriety that he's in, that if someone would have brought it up to him he would have just distanced himself from whatever was happening. He doesn't want to deal with getting rid of magic. He just wants to go away from it. Like, he's not... He's a, the path of nonviolence. I don't want to get rid of it. I just want to be away from it. Like, so if like it was God. a... Yeah. Just like, Ugh. Um, so I feel like... I, I get that, but I feel like it would have... Character-wise, it wouldn't have worked for mm -hmm. to get her all the way there. Like, maybe if it was, like, an ex-girlfriend who was super into the culty thing that he distanced himself from and then he, like, found her later there. Like, that would have been interesting. Mm -hmm. A lot more setup uh, that they wouldn't have wanted to do, but would have been interesting. Um, but, yeah, I do like that, too, where she's, like, telling Neil, she's like, it was a setup. I spilled the coffee on purpose. <laughs> and then she shoots him and then opens a portal to which then has this... I again, I love jennifer morrison i think she's a really great actress i feel like they shot her sad scene from the wrong angle mm -hmm. or in like a lighting that she didn't quite understand because it was it it didn't hit correctly i didn't get her i don't know if this was just me but i was just like it didn't hit for me 
it seemed yeah. like it seemed too much because her face like the angle she was at her like her mouth made such a sad frown like it seemed almost cartoonish so it didn't really fit for me i didn't get this yeah um but anyway neil yeah neil got shot and then he fell down a portal and he it's like you have to let me go Yes, let go. Never let go, Rose. I'll never let go. And then they let go. And then the portal goes away. So Neil is now MIA, presumed dead. How often is Neil going to have to fall into things? He, listen, I hope he landed on his feet. 10 out of 10 from the Russian judges. Like he, at this point, he's probably going to do like some cool kicks or shit. Like, yeah, hell yeah. He's like, uh, well used to this by now. Exactly. I sure hope I land somewhere rad with three loaves of bread nearby. Yes. Um, yeah, so, anyway, we talked about this, Regina confesses, you know, he's been dead this whole time, which obviously has been, and so, as he's, like, electrocuting her damn near to death, um, (laughs) Charming runs in with his gun, shoots, shoots off the electrical thing so that that won't work, uh, but then, like, is going to chase him, and then Snow recalls him because we need to get help for Regina. Again, this is the choice I didn't understand. Let him go. You yeah. have walkie-talkies. You literally just gave one to Emma. Like, I know that something's going on, but I think Emma comes back to plan a lot faster. Anyway, doesn't matter. We get Regina back to the only set with a bed, uh, Charming and Snow's apartment. And they bring Blue to just, like, have a blue wand go over her. And she comments, now that the cuff is off, she'll probably recover very quickly. I don't understand how the cuff endured the electroshock therapy. I don't understand how a a, 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 a magic cuff that is designed by science to repel magic could then be undone by other magic. I don't, I don't know. I forget yeah. the laws of the cuff. I should probably look into them. I don't, we need to like start writing them down as we go because right now all I know about the cuff is that it repels magic and it's full of science and math. That's literally <laughs> all they've said. Yeah. Um, so then Emma comes in, in, in a stunned, you know, thing. And then like Charming's like holding her. What happened champ? And he's like, he's gone. How am I going to tell Henry? Well, he's been upstairs listening this whole time. We haven't seen Henry this whole episode. <laughs> Um, he showed up for like two seconds in the beginning to say, please don't murder my mother. And then left. Exactly. And then he had to leave. He had to go. He had to go. Uh, so yeah, it's then the scene with like their, their rendezvous point, quote unquote, um, is the campsite. So it's just Mm -hmm. funny that like, first of all, also, by the way, Greg's dad was buried six inches underneath the dirt. Like, he just like starts digging and he like immediately finds the skull. I'm like, just bad luck. Um, but she shows up and she's just so not compassionate. Hey, sorry about your dad. Like she like, did he text her? How does she know this information? I love it. I mean, um, she's looking down at a skull. I'm, I'm guessing she can put two and two together. I mean, I guess. Anyway, she's just like, anyway, I found they know what this is. They know the home office knows the random chocolate diamond thing that you have. What are you talking about? Yeah, because like Regina was the only one who knew about it. I don't even think Rumple knew about it. 
It's just a random diamond. How can they know what at all? Anyway, I do like Regina, like, kind of coming to being like, yeah, I built a fail save that was going to basically be a bomb to this whole building. But that's not the important part. The important part is that I don't have it. Idiots. <laughs> and I, I, on that note, I loved how they were like, how dare you? She's like, well, you were going to leave me behind. And then they, they can't. Charming and, and Snow cannot say shit to that. They just stare blankly. So, no, because the answer to that was yes, but we were not going to blow you up on our way out. Like, that's the answer there, but I love that they couldn't come up with it. I love that they were like, mm, got us. <laughs> we were going to do that. Whoopsie Sorry. Oopsie. Uh, yeah. So anyway, um, the end. Yeah. Until, yeah. The end. I was until saying more like the end because. morning, which is next time. Next time on Once Upon a Time. Yeah, and that's going to be our season uh, two finale. But in the meantime, this was season two, episode 21, second star to the right. Overall, I like this episode. I think it has some weirdness. Uh, I, I feel like the the home office stuff would land a lot better if it were teased better and actually felt like the characters saying talking about it had any connection to it because right now it just sounds like they're spouting off nonsense that they don't actually believe in but we'll see we'll see who uh who runs the home office like again i have my suspicions um oh and abby i i saw i saw a term that's gonna come into play next season that uh that you're gonna be excited about you remember this line Heart of the truest believer. Oh no! Yeah, that's gonna happen. It's Bad. gonna. Yeah, that's my gonna brain happen. just seized for a second. I... Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Well, thank you so much for joining us for this latest episode of Once Upon a Timing. You can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Breaker, or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, we, of course, want to thank our wonderful Snow Queen patrons. That would be Daisha Thompson, Lindsay Alice Halleck, Ryan Gregorikos, uh, Christina, Erica Farrow, Nicole, Paul, Samantha Hussle, and The Salt in Our Stars. If you're interested in becoming a patron as well, go to patreon.com slash Timing. We recently uh, changed the pricing tiers uh, for our patrons. Um because we've been uh, uh, releasing bi-weekly. That may change in the near future. We'll keep you guys posted uh, because uh, bi-weekly has been fun, but I've, I've missed weekly. And so we might, uh, we might be making some adjustments in the coming weeks, so be on the lookout for that. Of course, you can also join our Facebook group at facebook.com slash group slash OUATiming. Follow us on Twitter at OUATiming. I am personally at Beth Elderkin. I am at just underscore Abby. And I just said a lot of words, but I'm going to say a few more. We'll be back next week with season two, <laughs> episode 22, straight on till morning. Until that morning comes, uh, I am Beth Elderkin, and always, Abby, we will see you next time. See you, Beth.